This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, yes, we're um, trying to get into, um, let's say, a routine at war situation. That's really, I think, what we're trying to find a way to do. And um, um, radio stations have had a real challenge mm. to find the right tone in terms of music that's being played mm. to somehow keep the routine going, but also to be respectful um, to the situation and in particular to the people who are suffering at the moment, either from recent losses or from uh, family members who've been taken into Gaza. And one of the radio stations I was listening to had a very elegant solution, which I thought was amazing. And um, what they've done is they've visited the families of those people who've been kidnapped into Gaza and they've asked the families to put together a oh, playlist wow, of wow. the kidnapped person. And mm. they play songs from these kidnappees' playlists. And I think that's an amazingly elegant solution to come up with, you know, an appropriate way to give both Kavod, uh, to give respect to the people who've been kidnapped, and also to keep their station going somehow and to play music. So that's, I think, amazing a solution and um, one that we can certainly, um, you know, take some uh, take some credit, give them some credit for the, the work that they've done to to find a, a great solution. Unfortunately, two more IDF soldiers' um, names were released as having been killed in northern Gaza yesterday. Once again, both of the soldiers who were killed were officers with the rank of mm, captain mm. in the armored corps. And as I said yesterday, the IDF says leaders go in first. The, the, the platoon leaders in these particular cases, these were both platoon commanders. You go in first and you lead your soldiers in. And if it means that you come bring yourself into danger, then you need to do that. Um, and so it was with Captain Asaf Master and Captain Kveritschak Franco, both of them platoon commanders from the Armored Corps, um, whose names have been released as having been killed yesterday. And um, I don't know whether listeners have been following the story of one of the kidnapped IDF's, IDF soldiers, 19-year-old Noah Marciano. Um, she was um, a lookout soldier along the Gaza border when the massacre took place, and she was one of those who was kidnapped alive and taken into Gaza. And in fact, the day before yesterday, a video was released by Hamas showing her saying that she'd been four days in captivity. It's not clear whether that was really on the fourth day of her captivity or whether it had potentially been beyond the fourth day of her captivity but she was just told to say four days because she was clearly um, reading from some sort of a script. And then no sooner had that video been released, then the IDF announced her name 
on on the list of soldiers who are deceased. And I'm not, I haven't really seen exactly what happened and how that came about. But of course, according to Jewish law, according to halakha, we can't pronounce somebody dead until we know for sure that they're dead. And we don't have a body. Um, and so one of the, the stories that I've heard secondhand, and I haven't really been able to verify it, so I would, um, I'm telling this with a, a caution mm, um, mm. attached to it. But I heard someone say that, Apparently, a video had been released of her being killed and that a, an army rabbi was given the authority to watch the video on his own, only him, to watch the video to see what happened. And apparently, having watched that video, he came out to say, we can safely say that she is no longer alive. Sure. Um, so what exactly wow. went down in that video and how the decision right. has right. been reached is unclear. What's noticeable on her, uh, on the, the, the listing of her death is that there's no date attached. All the other soldiers on the list of IDF soldiers who've been killed mm-hmm. have a date so of their death. Know. And in her case, there is no date. Um, and so that is a story, I think, that will still need to be told in the fullness of time. And slowly but surely, we need to sort of brace ourselves for further stories like this, unfortunately, because um, the tragedy is not over yet. As we know, we have 239 kidnappies, or I think now probably 238, um, and we are working very feverishly to, to release them until all of them have come home. Um, you know, we, we live in this tension. But just a little light relief yesterday, um, the Israeli national football team played in a European qualifying game against Switzerland, and because teams are no longer willing to come to Israel under the war situation, Israel now has a new home ground, in inverted commas, and that is in Hungary. So the home games that would normally have been played in Israel are now being played in Hungary, and that game yesterday was played in Budapest. The ultimate result won all between Israel and Switzerland, late goal that was scored by Israel as an equalizer. Um, but the, the nice gesture was that something like a hundred children from the Gaza envelope area who'd been through enormous tragedy over the last few weeks were taken to watch the game uh, in Budapest. So a little gesture, a little mm, bit of light nice. relief um, for those children to, to watch Israel ultimately manage to um, get a draw from Switzerland, uh, quite a strong team actually, Switzerland. So um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good result for the Israeli team. Anthony, let's talk about the hospital because obviously there's everybody was waiting as we all were with bated breath to see what was discovered in this hospital. There were guns found. Uh, there were um, there was uh, a, a, certainly real indications that Hamas were there, were using the hospital, but the the tunnels, the bunkers, all of that not yet discovered. Tell us about uh, tell us about this. Um. I think some people are considering the whole kind of Shefa hospital thing as a little bit of an anticlimax because Mm. there were some people who expected that there was going to be like smoking guns found there. Maybe I was one of those. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, And and I think that this is going to be a lengthy process to uncover what's happening. Um, Reports coming through from this morning have said that from at least Palestinian reports are saying, that IDF bulldozers are in the courtyard of the Shefa hospital and have begun to dug, dig down in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there is an expectation that 
there is a lot of work to do underground at the hospital. That's something that we kind of knew all along. But in the hospital itself, at ground level, I've seen some videos. There certainly is evidence of um, military activity having taken place in the hospital. To say that in the hospital there were rooms, command control centers, masses of weaponry found, I don't, I didn't see that. I did see some evidence of uniforms and ammunition and things being hidden away uh, in the hospital amongst other hospital equipment and stuff like that. Um, but I think that the real story of Schiffer Hospital is yet to be uncovered. And I think that that's what um, the underground work is going to be all about. So it's difficult to know exactly what we are expecting to find there, whether there are going to be smoking guns, whether we're going to find people um, who are still operating under some sort of com- command control center um, under the hospital, whether we're going to find massive evidence of um, storage of equipment, of recent activity, potentially of hostages having been held there. I'm not really quite sure, but I think we sort of need to temper our expectations a little bit as to what exactly will be found once uh, the work underneath the hospital goes on, because my expectation is that whatever might have been there yesterday or the day before, two days ago, is probably no longer there now um, in terms of human activity, um, but there may well be evidence of uh, you know, whatever has recently been happening. And there can be little doubt that the leadership of Hamas used that location as a sort of control center. In, 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 uh, uh, in Israeli uh, military language, you have this bunker uh, at military headquarters in Tel Aviv, which in Hebrew is called the bore. It's called the pit. Mm. Um, and um, it seems as if though, there is something analogous to that underneath Shifa Hospital, some sort of a pit control center that uh, may well have been used in the past. But I expect now that the element of surprise is lost. They're not going to be able to go in and surprise people there now. Um, So we may well find that having been used until recently. And and it may also disable Hamas's ability to operate because even yesterday we were seeing still some rocket fire coming from Gaza Mm, mm. um, being fired towards Ashkelon, there was a barrage of rockets that was fired the day before yesterday towards Tel Aviv. There were some rockets being fired as well um, towards the Gaza envelope area. So the, their ability to fire rockets is still intact to a much more limited degree. And that's because of the underground activity and the, the rocket launches that are um, set in below the ground and people are able to fire rockets from those launches from underground. So it's not as if there's even any activity that can be seen uh, and that uh, potentially aircraft could fire at or, or IDF soldiers on the ground could potentially fire at because this seems to be all underground activity. And so now comes the work, which is thankless work, and it's going to take a lot of time. I think we need to be really patient in allowing the IDF to get through this work underground and to get through the tunnels and to slowly but surely disable Hamas's ability to continue to fire rockets and to operate underground. Mm, mm. So, uh, so that is, uh, it, it's interesting because this rocket, you know, I was still surprised yesterday when, when these rockets were being fired and I was trying to figure mm. from where because in, I, I would imagine that most of northern Gaza seems to be fairly secured. Uh, but, right. But, but perhaps Which not. Which is true. Yeah. Oh, it is. Um, most of northern, northern Gaza is secured now. Um, there is still work to be done in southern Gaza. And Defense Minister Gallant has said, you can rest assured that the IDF will be operating in southern Gaza too. At the moment, um, what the uh, IDF has done has asked um, residents, civilians in the north of Gaza to move to the south. Um, 
And in fact, quite interestingly, one of the messages that was sent to the civilians has actually said, if you have any problem carrying out these instructions that we've given you, here is a number for you to call. Please feel free to be in touch with us. Send us a WhatsApp message or call us. Here is a number and we will do whatever we can to help you because, of course, a lot of those civilians are complaining that Hamas is preventing them from carrying out instructions that are being given by the IDF in order to save civilian lives. I mean, let's be, let's just understand things as they are. As much as the IDF is being accused of deaths, um, of civilians and, you know, and once again, yesterday we had accusations from Turkey and accusations from Canada about Israel causing deaths of civilians, of women and children. But in fact, what Israel is trying to do as much as possible is prevent those deaths and is issuing these instructions to say, please move away from this area where we, we want to operate. And if you can't, call us and we will do whatever we can to help you. Incredible. Anthony, what is happening in the north? So the north yesterday had about 20 missiles fired into Israel, and the headlines are battling to keep up with all of the different activities because we have a lot of things going on in the Gaza Strip itself and a lot of attention on those hospitals. And, of course, as a result of that, a lot of the news headlines being occupied by activities in Gaza and particularly around the hospital. Then we have things in the north, which for the moment those headlines seem to be slightly less, even though there's missile fire and people are being sent to their bomb shelters, and the north is still a very unstable area. Interestingly, um, a comment that was uh, that I read in the press yesterday said that um, when talking to Iran, the Hamas leadership have been told that Iran has decided that they are going to be not directly involved in this war for whatever reason they've decided that. And I think that that's come as a little bit of a surprise to Hamas because my impression is that on the day before the massacre, they seem to have all their ducks lined up in terms of who was going to do what to help their particular activity. They had this whole massacre planned. They thought Hezbollah were going to be a distraction in the north. And I think they understood that Iran was going to get directly involved as well. Now Hezbollah's uh, involvement is relatively limited, even though we do have those missiles that are coming over the border and there's still a lot of activity on that Lebanese border. Mm, but it mm. seems as if though the extent to which Hezbollah was planning or had promised to get involved hasn't quite materialized for Hamas. Um, and now we're being told that Iran is telling them that they are not going to get directly involved in the war. But clearly, Iran is involved through Hezbollah, through their proxies in southern Syria as well. The northern border remains very, very tense. People are still being advised to stay away from that area. There is missile fire. And unfortunately, on the northern border, there's quite a lot of use of uh, anti-tank missiles and RPGs, which are much, much more difficult for the IDF to defend against. And so there is a certain threat mm, about mm, um, those particular mm. missiles. And so people are being advised to keep away from there at the moment, but it certainly remains tense. And then just add to that, the missiles that are being fired from Yemen by the Houthis, uh, one of which was intercepted by the U.S. military yesterday as it flew its way from Yemen along the Red Sea towards Eilat. Israel has intercepted a number of these missiles actually the day before yesterday. Yesterday, this one was intercepted by the U.S., and it seems as if though those missiles are going to continue to come from the Houthis, once again, Iranian missile 
coming from Yemen. So, so what worries me is, is it possible that Iran is not getting directly involved because it wants more time to finish its, uh, its nuclear capability? Yeah, and if they got involved, there would be a good chance that that would be stopped in a much more um, direct way. Um, that's a very, very uh, feasible um, reason why Iran does not want to be involved. And in fact, what's noticeable at the moment is that all of Israel's enemies, Hamas, Iran, Hezbollah, are all looking for time at the moment. They're all trying to buy time. Mm. And there is a significant negotiation, we're being told, with the Qataris involved, where Israel is being asked to consider the possibility of releasing 50 hostages in return for three or five-day ceasefire, release ceasefire hiatus in mm. operations, mm. Um, because clearly Hamas need time to regroup, and that would be an ideal way for them to be able to do so. It's my hope that Israel will not accept that, that particular offer. But, of course, we have those hostages and the hostage families that we need to talk to. We need to face up to them and tell them why those offers have not been accepted. So it is a very significant dilemma for the Israeli government. And um, I don't really know what they're going to decide. But clearly Hamas and Iran and Hezbollah are all trying at the moment to buy some time in order to just catch their breath to do whatever they need to do. And I agree. I mean, Iran is desperately trying to get their nuclear program, um, you know, towards the end of, of the development stage. Um, and it's not clear how long that's going to take them. Indeed, Anthony Rach, that is where we leave it. Thank you once again for an incredible week of reporting. Your Israel report is something that many, many of us look forward to, just getting that information on a daily basis. Wishing you a fantastic week and a Shabbat Shalom. And, of course, we'll catch you on Monday morning. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.